plenty of news around the National Hockey League, including Jack Eichel. Wow. He's going to play hockey. Doesn't appear that uh, juggling the salary cap is that hard of an issue. No, just... When all you have to do is uh, slide Mark Stone on long-term IR. See, Mark, you're competitive, right? You want to win a cup, don't you, Mark? You want to be a good soldier? I mean, I'm sure he's... No, that can't be it. And to to prove that, we'll bring in uh, Emily Kaplan, (laughs) NHL reporter with ESPN. Hi, Emily. Tell Justin that this is all legit. <laughs> Justin, it's all legit as oh, according to the collective bargaining agreement, which was agreed <laughs> to by the players and the owners. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, look, it's definitely going to get a lot of skepticism, just like the Nikita Kucherov situation did last year. But I know that the NHL investigated the Kucherov situation, and they found no wrongdoing with the timing of his injury and when he came back. And I'm sure the NHL will do the same with the Golden Knights, but you could already hear Kelly McCrimmon today putting out his cases of the evidence. Like, this has been dating back to last season. He hasn't played back-to-backs only once this year. He's seen specialists all across North America, 10 to 12 diagnoses. So I have a feeling the NHL is just going to let that go, and uh, we'll have this debate probably next year with whatever team tries to pull it off next. Yeah, and, it, like, it's totally legit. The guy has a back injury. Of course he does. It, I think it's the the timing is always what we roll our eyes at. It's like when guys LTI retire, and it's like, oh, suddenly that hip is just too far gone at the wrong time. Anyway, um, you understand the skepticism, I guess. So what are your thoughts and expectations? Jack Eichel's back. Uh, are you as excited as Kipper and I? I'm super excited. I just think, I don't know if enough is made. It's like, this kid hasn't played a competitive hockey game in 11 months, nearly a year. Like, most guys don't go their entire career with a layoff like that. And, of course, he's 25 years old. He's coming back from this surgery with everything we've heard about this surgery. It's revolutionary. He looks great out there. We still just don't quite know what it's going to look like or what it's going to be like. So, my expectations are maybe it's a great first game. Adrenaline's pumping, but... It probably will take some time for him to start looking like the dominant Jack Eichel again, but they're really lucky that he gets to come in mid to late February and get a couple months before the playoffs rather than just debuting in May. It certainly uh, makes it interesting that Calgary would go trade for Toffoli anticipating Jack Eichel's uh, returning this week. They are running one, two in the standings. I think Calgary really feels like they can they can win the Pacific. And does that now put pressure on, say, I don't know, the LA Kings and and others in the West to to start shopping a lot earlier than uh, the March twenty first deadline? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know there's salary cap implications, but like I love Lou Lamarillo's philosophy where you just get your business done early and I wish more teams did that. Um, the Pacific Division in general is just a mess. I mean, besides the Seattle Kraken, all teams are within 11 points of each other. Like, anyone theoretically can make the playoffs besides the Kraken in this division. And you're right that I do think Calgary sees itself as the best threat to Vegas to overtake that number one spot. Um, the Kings, you mentioned it. I talked to Rob Blake, their GM, a couple of weeks ago. They're going to be in the market to add. You know, I think he owes it to his veterans who have seen for the last couple of years how disappointing it is to get all of their best friends and guys they've won cups with traded away just to add future assets. They went through that hard part. They're in position now. I think they're going to add at least a depth defenseman, maybe more. Um, and, yeah, I do think this is going to be a pretty fun division to watch down the stretch. Ben Sherratt, 
Bergevin there. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It does. If Trot is healthy, though, he's uh, on injured reserve right now, which I know a lot of teams were not too happy with because he's a pretty attractive piece at the trade deadline. You are, you know, uh, I have not heard. Do you anticipate it? Have they made any announcement on, on the length of the injury? No, I haven't heard anything yet. So hopefully it's short. Yeah, the, um, the the trade market is going to be something. Obviously, it's going to heat up over the next little while here. Still some time to go. Uh, I guess I'm going to look a little bit further down the road because I can't get uh, past the fact that the Arizona Coyotes are tweeting images of a what appears to be a, a high-ceilinged bowling alley. Their new arena is, like, tiny. Are they really going to play NHL games there for the next three seasons? They are. They really are. No. Like, get ready. I know. And, you know, there's a lot of owners behind the scenes and the Players Association I've heard behind the scenes are not happy with this. Um, you know, this is a league that's trying to recoup revenue right now. We had three pandemic-affected seasons, and you're going to tell us that one of our teams is going to max out at 5,000 t- like seats for the next three years. Like, that's not cool. But if there's one thing I know about the Arizona Coyotes, they are Gary Bettman's baby. Um, he wants them to succeed there more than anything else. He's their Sunbelt baby. Um, he has helped them through bankruptcy, through ownership changes. I almost feel like if this was any other organization that came up with this plan, the league office would be like, oh, hold up, not so fast. But because it's the Coyotes, because he wants them to find this long-term solution in Tempe, which they can't get right now because that proposal is all hung up at city council, um, he's spinning it as, well, it's a temporary solution and it's going to be a fun fan environment, and it will be. Um, it's just not ideal, especially from a revenue perspective. Three, three or four years is not temporary. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's... And I <laughs> can we ever picture the NBA or the NFL doing this? I p- People are going to laugh at us. They are. And you know what's crazy is the NFL and NBA are not as dependent on gate revenue as the NHL are. Uh, you know, like we're the league that needs those tickets in there. So I do find that to be interesting, but yeah, no, I, I have a hard time imagining it in either of those leagues, but this is the league we cover. It's always something. Yeah. So, so make sure ESPN just says we refuse to, we're not covering anything out of minor league arenas. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you, our broadcasters will probably be very happy. They'll be very nice sight lines. That's true. That's true. I, I saw the picture from Craig Morgan today, tweeted out where the press box was. It's like, you know, 10 rows up in a normal NHL building. It's going to be unbelievable access. Ugh. Yeah, um, keep uh, keep the beat writers happy. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we were uh, going through your your great article today, the uh, answering twenty big questions heading into the season's final months. Um, some of the stuff in there that you addressed was, was you know, the, the topics we've talked about here. Um, what do you have as the story of this season so far uh, for the NHL? It's obviously been another pandemic laden one, but uh, lots of exciting storylines. Yeah, for me, it's just the emergence of all of these young stars who. A, are not afraid to show some of their personality, but B, not afraid to show some of their skill on the ice with some daring moves that, Kipiros, you know this, like five, ten years ago, um, those guys would have gotten a pretty big beating from the veterans on the ice being like, no, 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 you don't pull this off in the NHL. And now guys like Trevor Zegras can pull off whatever, and he's got his captain, Ryan Gessloff, defending him and being like, yeah, this is cool. So I think it's just kind of this generation coming up of these young players that are announcing themselves while at the same time, we still have the old guard, like this Tampa Bay lightning and they're very veteran team. You've got Alex Ovechkin, you know, staring down history in his age 36 season being like, hold up, not so fast as it's still our league. So to me, that's the, the story of the year. Also, uh, Emily coaches on the hot seat and, 
we we know that uh, owners can only spend so much on players, but as far as coaches, <laughs> you can have a revolving door. You can spend as little or as much as you want on these guys, and it's it's kind of showing right now uh, for many of them that if we if we need a, a change and we can't change our, our players, we're going to do it with the coaches. Yeah, nearly one out of every four teams has made a coaching change this season, which to me is just wild. But then again, in-season coaching changes, they're ubiquitous in the NHL. They happen all the time. I think this is a bit of a course correction from last year when we only had three in-season changes because, again, everyone was you know conscious of their budget, saying, well, we're losing all this money. We can't afford this. So maybe they held on to guys a little bit longer. But, um, you know, we're emerging from this with a different, definitely a different view, and certain owners don't mind it because Jeff Molson is fine paying three coaches including two not to coach this year um, which is absolutely ridiculous so we we don't like firing coaches on our show so we'll let you do it who's next (laughs) oh god you know i famous last words i do think we're okay for the rest of the season like i heard a bit of rumbling in dallas and maybe they were looking for a change i think they're going to look at a more holistic view this off season um for me it's the off season there will be more changes like mike yo great man and i'm so happy for him and the third opportunity that he got but given the mess in philadelphia um they're gonna bring in a new coach this offseason Derek king i have loved talking to him super positive guy helped restore some confidence in the chicago locker room once they hire gm which should be soon he's bringing in his own guy or gal next year so those are the the seats that i would keep an eye on in the Mm. future yeah i did hear dallas uh contemplating but it may not happen like you said in the offseason but I had heard the name Rick Tockett linked to Ooh. Dallas. Have you maybe heard anything like that? Or it might I have just heard be. Rick yeah. Yeah. I've just heard his name come up as kind of the next guy that's deserving. Um, you know, I know in Philadelphia, there was a lot of speculation that he could take the job this year. They decided to stick it out with Mike Yeo, realizing that this year is just a wash and a write off. I would expect him to get a lot of consideration in Philly if he's still available, just given his relationship to that market. And plus, he may find that he just likes covering the games. You know, this is a great job we have here, Kipper. You never know. Um, uh, the thing that had my eye in uh, in this Atlantic division is what's going on in Boston. Um, you know, Tukaras walks away. Uh, Brad Marchand suspended yet again. He appeals his suspension I mean, I kind of felt like the audacity to appeal a suspension when you've been suspended eight times. Do you think there's a chance the NHL lets this guy, you know, walk it back to five games, four games? Or I, I got to believe no, right? You use the word audacity in Brad Marsham. That's all you need to know. Yeah. That guy has audacity. He does. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, at first this will be heard by Gary Bettman, who typically stands by his Department of Player Safety in these type of decisions. So it'll come to a neutral arbitrator. And really what it'll come down to is, is the NHL being harshly unfair to him? Have they villainized this one player? And that's, I know what Brad Marchand believes. He feels like he is like public enemy number one in the league office. And that's why he's coming out against it. Or is this fair because he is a repeat offender? He potentially could have injured a player and it was just unnecessary. So we'll see what the neutral arbitrator decides. And this really is about trying to save a few bucks at the end of the day. Uh, We know Jason Spezza got his reduced, but uh, managed to to save a game, I think, because of COVID uh, cancellations or two games. Uh, But Brad Marchand is losing a lot of money here. Yes. Um, you know, and that's always what gets players talking, right, when it affects their uh, personal finances. And he'll probably say, no, I want to be here for the team. I feel it's so important. But 
yeah, when you're losing paychecks, uh, usually that's what gets you talking. Well, it, you'll be a busy uh, woman uh, March 21st deadline, Emily. There's no question about that. I think Toffoli may have just opened up, but we hope uh, some floodgates, mm-hmm. at least a, a, a tiny one. I know. I, I just fear, though, like we're going to get a bunch of trades, but it'll be like veterans on expiring contracts for conditional picks. Like, give us the James Harden to the 76ers. That is what this league needs right now. <laughs> well, we really appreciate it, Emily. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Thanks, Emily. Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter with ESPN. Kipper, we didn't get your chance uh, to give us your take on this uh, Toffoli situation moving from Montreal. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I, I, absolutely, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, you get whatever you can on, on assets. Pretty they've, good return. They got a first. Absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I would imagine Gallagher sitting there looking at Toffoli going, you lucky bastard. Wait, take me with right? you. Take me with you. <laughs> you can't leave me here. Um, a first and a fifth. A prospect and Pitlick. Right. Where is that going to be? 20th, 22nd. Yeah. So that's that's where it has to start for the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to take a while here. Uh, but Toffoli is a guy that uh, Daryl knows and knows well. They've got f- uh, close to f- uh, 38 games to go, almost 40, half a season. Lots of time to kind of come in, find your place. He is a legit Fifth, sixth, seventh forward, eighth, eighth forward, can play on the third line. Yeah. That's I mean he's good power con- play contract, guy. four and a half or four point two five million. Legit twenty, thirty goal scorer on a on a good run, hot year. Uh, he can he can find the net. He can add that extra depth and take some heat off of Johnny Hockey and uh and Kachuk. You know what's crazy is how many players Montreal is going to pick in next year's draft. So next season they have two firsts. They have yeah. Calgary and Carolina, so two late firsts. A second, three-thirds, two-fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and two-sevenths. And that's before the sell-off here. Yeah. I mean, that that's before Sherratt goes and, I don't know, Gallagher, would he go? Or, you know, whatever your names are, they're going to have a lot of players. So Montreal doing a full tear-down, strip-it-rebuild situation. So I, I like yeah. this return for them. Why be tied to a guy who's 30 and 31 when you're not trying to win the next two years? I think for, for some teams like Calgary, and I'll probably include the Boston Bruins, uh, Toffoli and Brock Besser are the two guys that I heard really? were kind of running for uh, teams looking at uh, scoring. I mean, give me Besser over Toffoli all day. What about you? Yeah, and I think Boston missed out on Toffoli. So maybe Boston for so Besser. Boston with Besser. The only question is, is I would think that if Boston made a, a hard push on Besser, that Jake DeBrusque would follow. But Jake DeBrusque is almost <laughs> your insurance policy for Brad Marchand. Well, and uh, we joked about it, but he's got to be like, hey, Marchie, enough. Enough. I'm trying to move. And he is still... A sixth, seventh, eighth forward for you. And could he be a guy, though, Kipper? And a second, third line left winger for the Boston Bruins. But if he wants to get traded, is he not within his rights to say, I don't care if Marshawn's 
not not playing. You guys aren't my problem. I want to be elsewhere. Like no. I guess what do you? He has out? no right to do that. No, no, get to no. just not play. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not good enough to do that. And he's yeah. not in that place. You just be a pro. Be a pro and play hard. He has been to his credit, right? Yeah. He asked for his trade, and he's that's right. Showing up and doing the work. So he's got to he's got to hang in there. How do you like the second line of the Flames uh, right now? Blake Coleman, uh, Michael Backlund, and Tyler Toffoli. How good is that? I love that. Line. Yeah, they can kind of do it all. You know, these are Daryl Sittler or Daryl Sutter guys. When they made the decision to bring Sutter in, I give them credit. A lot of times they bring in, you know, teams bring in a coach, and he doesn't have the horses to play the way he wants to coach. So it's like, why bring in that coach? I think of John Tortorella went to coach the Vancouver Canucks and had no meat, and they said, all right, well, the Sedins are penalty killers now. I think of Mike Babcock comes in to coach the 16-17 Maple Leafs or 15-16, whatever. They didn't have the type of guys he wanted. And even at the end, they were a skillier team. They didn't play the way Babs wanted to coach a team. Daryl Sutter, (laughs) Daryl Sutter has gotten his horses. They got Blake Coleman, Backlund, and Chuck, and Lindholm. And, I mean, Coleman was an ad for him. Uh, you look at the back end, you know, they, they added a little bit more muscle to Good Branson and Zadorov. Like, they brought in Daryl Sutter guys, and they're giving him a chance to coach now the way he wants to coach with his players. They're even moving up that Ruzitska from, like, fourth line to third line, which pushes Monahan's six Can point... Can Monahan go somewhere else point, for, for his sake? 6.3... Seven five. So they got to trade him by the deadline. They're not going to pay him that much liner. to not play. Oh, who who's going to take that contract? How many years he got left of that? What's going on? He's got another year at six three. You can move that. You know, I guess you. And you know retain. the other one, guys, and uh, I think Elliot talked about it on the weekend is the Leafs with Nick Ritchie. Yeah. And they're doing it, eh? What's that? Trading them. They're trying. They've been trying. For probably four weeks, six weeks. Do you think he got a fair shake here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The shake was fair. Yeah, I think the shake was very fair. And in a perfect world, you'd just keep him just for the sake of keeping him. But if you're trying to do a few things at the deadline, you've got to shed well, his, I, his two and a half. Because right now, their hit for him is 1.4 because you can only bury 1.1 is my understanding. So that 1.4 is what they need to shed to make a little bit yes. extra space. But you're right. I don't hate having Nick Ritchie at 1.4 or whatever he costs. If you get to call him up later and he's, you know, playing for your team in the postseason, he's a good fourth-line guy. Oh, on horse is back there. <laughs> you know, the, the tricky thing about Nick Ritchie is that it's a $2.5 million cap hit. But his salary next year goes to three point three million. That's the opposite of how the Leafs yes. always do their deals. And I don't know why Kyle did that, but that's really strange. There, there's 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 a there's a few teams. If you thought that someone was gonna buy some, if you were gonna buy some salary cap room by moving him to a team that doesn't necessarily worry about their cap hit. They worry about the money. I'm so confused. Why would they do that with, with Richie? I don't know. He's only making one seven this year. You're right. And it goes to three three. That's real cash. And you can turn him into an asset if he's only making a million next year. I don't know whether or not teams are want to take on 
Nick Ritchie, where they owe him $3.3 million of real dollars. This isn't about, this isn't a cap hit now. This is real money owner saying, I'm taking. So you know what that does? That just makes buying him more expensive for the Leafs. It, it makes selling him. Yeah, you don't get much back. You get less back. Well, no, it's it's the Leafs saying, you know, if it, if it could have been a, a fourth or a fifth round pick, it could have cost you for the Leafs to, to, to take oh, that I contract. Now you give more. It might be a, a second or a third now. You know what? I wonder if, like, a, a player like Nick Ritchie is never going to get no trade protection. That just wasn't going to happen. But by having a heavier actual salary in the second season, you're less appealing to trade for. You're going to bring back less. I wonder if that ensures you staying, or at least it gives you a better chance of staying. So Richie said, look, I want to play for Toronto for two years. I don't want them to trade me. This makes it harder to trade me if I structure my salary that way. I wonder if that's their agent's way of trying to give him some stability and say, you're going to be here. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm just spitballing. Why else would you do? Because I know Dubas wouldn't want to do that. You would want to keep your guys as because they don't care about real money. Yeah. They care about cap hit. Anyway, fascinating. I, so, I, listen, as a general manager, you hit a pretty good one with Camp. You hit one with Kasha, Buncey, Bunting. That's what I call my buddy. And man. then you look at Nick Ritchie, and you still got to remind yourself you went three for four. Right? Not bad. <laughs> not, not bad, all told. Right? But, not so, bad. 750, right. you, hit, you hit 750 in the uh, majors, you're, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you're the best player in the history of anything. <laughs> in the history of the game. <laughs> of all sports. Three out of four hits. Uh, McCann, Seattle tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top scorer. I know. Once nine, upon a time, a leaf. Nine, 19 goals, 11 assists, leading the Kraken in, in goals and points. Um, you know, if you're looking back now, Sure, you'd you'd prefer to have him, but then you wouldn't have Justin Hall, and your whole decor would be what Muzzin with Dermot and Sandine and Lilligren. I don't know. See, I still, I still look at it as if you could have kept McCann and lost Kerfoot or his three fifty or three point five million. Sorry, that would have been preferable. Well, right? I don't know. Would it have been preferable? Kerfitz earned his money this year to me. 3.5 million seems like a pretty reasonable number for a guy who scores, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 points per game. I don't know. Yeah. Let's, let's ask Everett Fitzhugh about it after the break, shall we? But old That's McCann. twice today you've thrown to the break. You really liked hosting on Friday, didn't it's you? It's addicting. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I got no problem with that. All right. JB just threw it to break. We're going to come back with Everett Fitzhugh, radio play-by-play announcer, with the Seattle Kraken. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Born, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of four games on tap tonight in the National Hockey League, including the Toronto Maple Leafs and Seattle Kraken. What'd you think of the name when it was announced? Mm, uh, at least they tried something different. <laughs> come on, you got to come up with a better. Uh, no, I did. I, I did like it. Everybody tries. The Kraken to me is the Raptors, which is also not good. It was like you know, it, currently it is a pop culture thing. Released the Kraken was in a bunch of rum ads. 
it's unique, so I give him credit there, but I, not for me. We do not agree. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I don't know. That's kind of working. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, you're okay with it. Well, I'm. I don't. I don't get that emotional for that stuff. Really? Feels like something you'd be very upset about. Let's bring in Everett Fitzhughes, radio play-by-play announcer for Seattle Kraken. Uh, he loves the name. That's all that matters. Everett, how are you? <laughs> Nick, Justin, I'm doing really well, guys. And, yes, uh, Kraken slander will not be tolerated. <laughs> That's uh, No, the, the name, I mean, for, for what it means historically here to the city and for the area and how it relates, it, it works. And, and I mean, the fans have taken to it, so I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm on board with the Kraken. So we know they've played 48 games, 16 wins. Uh, are people still thinking that uh, this is a team that was put together to make a run for the playoffs, or is it now to the point where uh, we're, we're in year one of a build that may take some time? Obviously, Vegas screwed everything up for you guys. Yeah, I was going to say Vegas. I mean, that's that's the unfair comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was the, – the second the team was announced, that was, well, Vegas did. Well, Vegas did. So I, I think the overall goal – I mean, if I had to set the goal for the beginning of the season, I think was to minimally be a playoff team that's competitive. I mean, if you look at uh, the, the team on paper, the way they drafted, the free agency signings, I, I think that the results – you would have expected to be better here in Seattle. And, and it's not me saying that. It's, it's the coaching staff. It's the management. You know, they all feel the same way. But I do think that as the season goes, you find out more about your team. You know, this team is getting used to playing to each, with each other, finding their identity. There were some injury issues. There were uh, COVID issues. But every team has had those, right? We're not unique. I think now as you shift toward the final, what, 30-some-odd games of the season, you're, you're wanting to be a team that's competitive. And I think this team is starting to find and figure out that gear. I, I go back to the game that they played in Colorado a few weeks ago. That was the first time that I can remember a full 60-minute hard-working team effort, the way that this team wants to play on a night-in, night-out basis. You've been getting a lot more of those over the past four weeks now, and you're starting to see it pay off with wins. A disappointing win against Arizona the other day turned into a bounce-back performance that the team needed on Friday in Anaheim. They get that win. You're starting to see a lot more of those. So the team is improving, but definitely not where I know the coaching staff, the organization, and the fans would have liked. But I do think it's a marathon. It's a process, not a sprint. And I think this team is still set up for success down the road. So stylistically, what can the Toronto Maple Leafs expect from the Seattle Kraken? Uh, to my eye, it looks like a team with a good defense and goaltending, maybe a little light on the offensive end. Is that a fair assessment from a distance? I would say that. I would say that uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, also are a team that works extremely hard. Um, They are a tough team to play against. And that is what has been, I think, so frustrating from an internal perspective over these past four to six weeks is that the efforts are there. I mean, outside of a, a couple of games, 
this team has had the opportunity. They've been in a position to win most of their games over the past four to six weeks. The effort has been there. The hard work has been there. The commitment, the battle, the compete level, all of that has been there. Um, Dave Tomlinson and I, you know, I'll call it a 95-5 team. We'll go 95% of the way. They'll get that 95%. The extra 5% is winning, and they're not able to find that 5% uh, more often than not. So Dave and I will talk about that, and we'll, we'll, we'll relate it that way. But that is, that's what they can expect tonight. Toronto, I mean, can expect from the Seattle team, a hardworking team that uh, is, is not afraid of, of the challenge of going up against some of the top teams in the NHL. This is another top five, top 10 team in the, in the Maple Leafs cracking. They've taken down Florida twice. They've beaten Carolina. They've beaten Washington. They've played really good games this year against the likes of Colorado, uh, St. Louis on the road. So this team can play with, some of the best in the league. Um, but now it's, it's about getting those results on a more consistent basis. We're speaking with Everett Fitzhughes, radio play-by-play announcer for the Seattle Kraken. I'm, I'm sure Seattle and, and Ron Francis, no different than any general manager out there making calls and seeing what's available yeah. or seeing what other teams would be interested in. Uh, we hear the name, of course, uh, Mark Giordano. He is your captain. He is one of the, the faces of the franchise this early. But he is 38 years old. He is on uh, an expiring contract, albeit uh, an expensive one at $6.7 million. What are the odds that he sticks around? Uh, you know, you're asking questions that are a little bit above my pay grade. But, Bring it, Abbott. Uh, <laughs> Bring it, baby. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, what he means to this franchise on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room, the community, amongst the fans, I, I think is more than than you can – put into words and, and, and more than just his performance and his stats on the ice, right? He is a guy who wanted to be here. He wants to be here. You talk to him, you see his body language. He enjoys coming to the rink every day. He had a great career in Calgary. You know, he still has family there and, and it's, it's still a home for him, but this is a guy who wants to compete. He knew what he signed up for. He understood what he signed up for here in Seattle and he he was excited. He is still excited. There is no was about it. He still is excited to be the captain of this team. So um, as he said last week, and as Ron Francis said a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're going to talk amongst themselves. It's going to be a, a one-on-one personal conversation when the time comes. Um, I certainly, you know, don't have uh, uh, any insight into those conversations, but it's definitely something where I, I think he wants to be here, but ultimately he understands it's a business and you have to, you have to, to go where the business takes you. So that is the, the name you, you hear quite a bit when it comes to the Seattle Kraken, but it, it's not a situation where he wants out. He, he's trying to get out. You know what I mean? He wants to be here. He enjoys playing for the organization. He enjoys leading uh, the organization with, to see on his chest and 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 hopefully you know for the Kraken's sake that can continue 
Everett, you uh, announced today on Twitter that you and your wife are expecting your first child. That's a big first. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And uh, along the the big first in your life, you're also going to become the first ever black broadcasting duo in NHL history when you and JT Brown call the Kraken at Jets on Wednesday. What does that accomplishment mean to you in your career? You know, it's big um, for me personally to, to be able to, to step into an NHL TV booth is going to be, a, you know, a dream come true. You know, there have been a lot of firsts that have happened for me over the past, you know, year and a half, two years now. And, you know, this morning announcing another one, uh, my, my first child, baby yeah. boy, it's on the way. So it's <laughs> been a lot of firsts uh, over the past couple of years, but I think, I've always said and believed that representation matters and to see someone like myself and JT on television to a young black kid, a young person of color who is on the fence about hockey because historically hockey wasn't for them, right? That's that, that's what we were told. That's what I was told my, my entire childhood growing up. The black kids don't play hockey. Hockey was for those white boys. Why, why do you want to be one of those white boys playing hockey? Um, I enjoy the sport. I love the sport, and I, I've always known that I wanted to be in the sport, and I know that there are so many people out there who share that same feeling and that same sentiment of wanting to belong but not sure if they actually do. So for me and JT – to say that, hey, listen, you belong in this game. You have a place in this game. And even if you're not a player, that's fine. There, there, there are many different avenues that you can take to get to the NHL. Broadcasting, PR, social management, uh, you know, organizational front office, whatever the case may be. There are so many ways to get to the NHL. And there is a place for everyone within this game. So I think for me personally, it's going to be great, especially filling in for a guy like John Ford. Who, who has become a friend and, and someone that has taught me so much in, in these first eight months of, of knowing him to be able to step in for him for a day is going to be an honor, but also to, to, to cross my first uh, NHL TV game off, uh, off the list is going to be fun as well. So I'm looking forward to, to this Thursday coming up here. Winnipeg. Well, Everett, we, uh, we certainly uh, feel that energy that uh, you're talking and that ripple effect of what you just spoke of in the community must be great too in yep. Seattle. Everett, where does this rank uh, now in terms of spreading uh, the sports love in Seattle when it comes to the Mariners and the Seahawks, no NBA, but where is Seattle now amongst those franchises you know, Seattle, the, the Kraken, the fans have been supporting this team since we were NHL Seattle. We, we weren't even the Kraken. We, we, mm-hmm. There were shovels in the ground. We were still digging out tons of dirt from the old key arena site, now Climate Pledge Arena. We were, and the fans were still, they were there. They were supportive. We get a team name. We get an awesome logo. Uh, we we break records when it came to jersey sales and merchandise sales, and the fans still showed up. We had an unbelievable opening night against Vancouver. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win, but as an organization, it was a proud moment that hockey had returned to Seattle. The NHL had returned to Seattle for the first time since World War I, um, and, and it kept going. And, and even though the results haven't been 
there. The place is still packed. The We, we have not seen a drop-off from sales. We've not seen a drop-off from attendance. The fans still love and support this team. And luckily for Seattle as a whole, there were Western Hockey League teams here. So you had a lot of hockey fans. Maybe not a lot of NHL fans, but a lot of hockey fans. So you had a lot of smart hockey people who already lived here who now latched on to the Kraken. So the community support has been great. Um, I would still, because we're in the United States, I would still say that this is uh, a Seahawks town. Um, the NFL still reigns king in a lot of places you go. But for the Kraken to come in and do what they've been able to do and in, in as little time as they've been able to do it, I think Seattle and the Kraken, they're right up there uh, in the upper echelon of – of importance level when it comes to sports teams within the market. I was hoping you would give us some insight insight into some specific players on the Kraken, specifically Jared McCann, who gets talked about a lot here in Toronto. Every yeah. time there's a Justin Hall makes a bad play, they're like, oh, got to add Jared McCann instead. You know that he's become sort of the guy up here uh, leading the team in scoring. Tell us about his season for the Kraken. And, um, you know, basically, is it a mirage? Are the numbers as good as he's played? Well, hey, I mean, listen, tonight, Jared McCann revenge game, right? Former uh, Maple Leaf for all of 27 (laughs) seconds, I think. Uh, Do we have a timer on that? Uh, No, he he is another guy that has has led this team by example. Um, I don't think this is a mirage as well. He's even said that the, the Seattle Kraken have given him a second chance, a resurgence at his career. He has come out multiple times publicly in saying that he wants to be here. He wants to be here long-term. This this is his team, and he wants to be here for this team. So Jared McCann, he, on the power play, he's able to, to set up and, and, and to lead that offensively. He has a nose for the net. He finds ways to get to the net. Um, very rarely do you see him making mistakes. He's got confidence, and that's what leads me to believe that this isn't just a one-off because of the confidence in which he plays with because of the consistency that he has and yes he may not be going out scoring goals every single night but the way he plays he plays a a, a goal scores offensive style of game where he consistently goes to the net he consistently finds ways to, to generate offense whether it be away from the puck or with the puck so jared mccann i think is someone who Everyone expected him to have a good season, uh, but I think he is surprising a lot of people with the consistency in which he is, which he's having that season. Now, when I say surprising people, I don't think he's surprising any of us in the media, within the team, the organization. But I do think that there are some fans around who are like, "Wow, we didn't. Okay, we didn't think we had this with Jared McCann, but this is this is nice." So I definitely see Jared McCann a part of this um, this culture. Uh, for for a while, and, and like I said, he wants to be here. So that that's that also helps when you're going out there every single night representing a team and a place and where you want to be. Might be some extra incentive for the players to to play well tonight. I hear uh, the owner David Bonderman will be in attendance tonight, uh, and also Ooh. wants to wants to check out the play by play guys as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have I've not I've not had the uh, the privilege of meeting Mr. Bonderman yet. I've met uh, the rest of our ownership group. I did get a nice email from him though earlier this year. So he's, he's been this 
market's number one supporter. He's had some very kind words for myself and Dave. So, yeah, I, I think anytime the big man is in the house, uh, I think you, you, you're a little more loose. You know what I mean? I, I think you're flying a little faster because you want to make that big impression. That's for sure. Well, there'll be no uh, doubt that you'll be on your A game tonight and uh, also Wednesday on your historic uh, telecast as well. Everett, really appreciate the time, pal. Fellas, thank you guys so much. A lot of fun. Looking forward to chatting down the road. Yeah, and congrats again on the first one. Thank you so much. Two goals in life, to make it to the NHL and to be a father. So I've uh, accomplished both of those goals in the last 18 months. So I got to find some new goals to reach now. One's way more expensive than the other. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. Yes, that's what they tell me. Okay, you need one for the other. Yeah, offset the cost a little bit there. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, I can't have one without the other. <laughs> Everett, fits you. Thanks, Thanks again, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. So I look at uh, this team, Seattle, and they're just, they're caught. Mm-hmm. Just one of those teams where you you went to you kind of built to push for the playoffs or even make it, and it's just not there. No. And, yes, they've got guys out of the lineup. I think Schwartz is out, right? Tanov, of course, was a a major pickup and arguably the most popular player on the team. He's out. Yeah, okay. And they've got some older guys. Yeah. Yeah, And the one that got me the most was going to spend – and this will get us into our next conversation. We'll always circle back to the Leafs and Jack Campbell. Ruby dooby doo. But they went out and they signed Grubauer. Mm-hmm. And Grubauer, since leaving Washington as a backup goaltender, has been touted as one of these guys that is could be a really good goaltender one day. And it looked like Colorado was going to trust him to get Nathan McKinnon his Stanley Cup, build it in the next few years. Then he gets into a contract dispute, and Joe Sackick calls his bluff, and Seattle ponies up $5.9 million Times six, right? On an expansion team. I'm not sure you needed Mm. to go that deep, that long for a guy who has not had many Jack Campbell starts in the first 35 games or Demko starts the last month. So I like the idea of paying. It's no fun. You can't compete if you don't have goaltending. So if you're an expansion team and you want to get that feel good going, you need a guy who just can stop pucks. Let's just not give any freebies away. Let's at least have goaltending. So that's the one thing they thought they had. But you're right. Like, what had he done to to prove he was on a great team and was pretty good a couple years? To me, to me, that five nine times six. The times six is the number is, for me. Is after you've won the Stanley six. Cup or carried the team to a final. Well, and he now he messed up the right? whole goaltending market. Because now we're talking for Campbell. How do you say that you haven't done what Grubauer did when he signed that deal? Although we are going to revisit this Which conversation. Which brings us back <laughs> to this conversation. And the beauty of what we've been able to do in a, such a short period of time is say stuff that 
social media will not let us ever forget. No. Ever. Good for us. <laughs> Including <laughs> our conversations a few months ago and uh, what's Jack Campbell worth and where does it end and how much higher can it go and is Kiprios driving the price up? <laughs> and yeah. now they're coming back to me a little bit and going, yeah, $6 million for Jack. Yeah. It's like, oh, someone's jumping off the bandwagon right now. <laughs> yeah. I love him. He does a lot of nice things it's for me. You. I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? Lately. <laughs> so that was good. how much stock do you think Jack Campbell's lost in two weeks, and I'll give you I'll, my opinion. I'll give you mine. Not none. I don't think you can say he's lost no stock, that he's still the same guy that was at a 954 at the start of December. And, you know, when I, I think earlier in the season when we talked about them making an offer to him, we you had mentioned maybe something in the realm of four by four, four and a half, something like that, four by five maybe, the, those sort of numbers. And then he was playing really well, and we were going, I don't know, and he turned it down, and, oh, we're into six by six. I think we're kind of getting back to that four by four and a half. Yeah, I don't think it was ever four and a half. You think it was always higher than that? Lower. 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 Yes, lower. <laughs> Price is right right now. <laughs> yes. I One dollar. I don't think they've ever given him an offer that was okay. debatable for him. Oh, really? Okay. So they went like, hey, we'll give you a four times three. And he was like, uh, no. Yeah, probably in, in the ballpark of uh, Mrazic's deal. Okay. Yeah, no, no, that's a no. That's a no. <laughs> We're not doing that. No, no, no. It's a no. That's a no. Um, yeah. Now, if, I, if the season I, ends today. I can't tell you, uh, you know, I, I, information that I have gathered over the last little while. Have they brought it up? Have they given them something to think about? Not that I've heard anyways. But I, I would have hoped that they, they would have tried to entice him into something that would, would pique his interest. Well, is now not the time you go back to him and his agent and go, listen, you didn't like the Mrazic offer. That's fine. But, like, you know, you've been in 893 since December, over 15 starts. Nothing is guaranteed. You know, if things go south or you pull a groin here again and all of a sudden people have some, some issues – there's no guarantee you're going to get to whatever this fantasy number you think it is. So we'll give you four times four and a half. How do you like that deal? I just made that up, by the way. This is a zero planning in that. Yeah. But how do you like four times four and a half for Jack Campbell? Uh, I like it. For the Leafs. I'm comfortable. For both parties. Yeah. I, I, neutral arbitrator. I would believe that that Jack should take the upside of still what's what, keep playing? Yes, just keep playing. Because I don't think, even if he if he tails a little bit and they lose in the first round, and there's there's many different ways to lose for Jack and still yeah, yeah. get his money. Yeah, you're right. You're okay. right. So Jack, let's say he plays Jack it out. could pull back a little bit, keep his 920 save percentage. Losing the first round, and I think he'd probably have no problem on the open market getting five million bucks. Yeah, I don't disagree. <laughs> so why? You know, why well, am I, I take... shouldn't say I don't disagree. That's high, right? But you're right. You, the, that's how bidding works. That's how bidding works in the UFAs, and you right. see what some of these guys end up getting. 
was Markstrom's deal? He's six times six. He's I know. Six. It's a totally different player. Yeah. That's the high, high, high. It is the high, high, high. But Jack could go, if Jack can win a round or two, mm-hmm. Jack could put himself into a five and a half or six million. And if he can get to a conference final. Well, this is final, where Grubauer messed things up. Because how can you not point to Grubauer and go, well, that's that's yeah. my. And Calvin Peterson in LA hasn't had the best season. What are you at four and a half? No, five. You got five. Eh? Yes. Did he really? Yes. Jeez. So when you look at the comparables, yeah. I think and there should be enough there should be enough of a of a marketplace for teams like Edmonton. Okay, but the Leafs like, aren't gonna let him get there, Kipper. They can't. What are they can go ahead with Peter Brazic and Joseph Wool? See, now we're back to that same conversation that if his stock's gone down a little bit here, it, it it hasn't dipped. I I don't think it's dipped below five. So we're in the wheelhouse of five to six million dollars for Jack. No, we're not. We're in the wheelhouse of four and a half oh, to five. No, 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 <laughs> no. We do not agree. He has to he he has to really implode. <laughs> yes. Producer today, Fabro mentions. The 893 since December is coming up if we're having this conversation today. Um, okay, so if if he is that, if he's really that goalie, then you don't want him at all. No, you're right. And so you don't believe he is that goalie. Then you don't believe he's that goalie. Why do you want him at three or four years? Because I also don't believe he's the 950. Okay. Nine, you know. I, so why don't you just leave it at 920 for me and give him five? <laughs> all right. And we're doing his negotiation right now. So they got to get rid of Mrazek because you can't pay Campbell five and Mrazek three and a half or 3.8. Yes. Can't. I mean, just given their salary cap situation. So maybe you need Joseph Wool to come around or someone else to come around as a backup. But so I guess the, the question, the conversation we're having is how comfortable are you that Jack Campbell is a good goaltender, a guy who can win a Stanley Cup? That's what this team is built to do. You know, you're um, going, you're going to. You're gonna go to a one million dollar backup and make him your one A if you give him five million. So that's a again, that's a talking in circles. Big, this, but. that's a big ask with two minutes to go, and you've got Lilligren and Sandine on the ice, yeah. to help you either protect the lead or hold the lead, or uh, protect the lead or or hold a score while you you're one shot away from tying a game. Right. I think if someone went to a shooting gallery and aimed at a target and, and shot all around the bullseye and never hit it, you could tell where the bullseye is. I think we can tell what Campbell's going to get here between you and I. Neither of us have nailed it, but I think he ends up getting a four times five type of thing. I do. I, I, I can see that, but I would believe with the start that he had. <laughs> what are you going to take that, here? That would be a little disappointing if I'm Jack. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've been an 893 since December, so you have been disappointed. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, all right. But if you're this close to UFA. Yeah, you're going to wait to go to UFA? Go no for game? it. Uh, yeah, well. Just go for it. Depends look how at, money hungry you are. At, are you going at, for the extra point Johnny, five? The Calgary's got Johnny Hockey, who Daryl Sutter is saying that he's one of the best 200-foot guys in the game right now. And I can't. Why, why isn't he getting re-signed? Not a believer. That's why. I'm not a believer. I know. 
So that that to me is a team saying we're not sure that you're the guy or well, going to be the guy for us. He's going to walk. He's going to walk, but I think the Flames think they're they're going to win the Stanley Cup now. And then let him walk. I guess. Barry Trotz did it. <laughs> That's totally different. Um, tonight, are, are we done on uh, Campbell? I'm good. Okay. I don't want to. I don't get a percentage of his deal. <laughs> I don't have to talk about him all. It is, but it's fascinating. How can you not fixate on it? Because it dictates what they can do with every other position, essentially, what he makes. Sucks that they have to grind guys so much salary cap. We'll just complain about that again. But uh, Kadri's slowing down, by the way, isn't he? Oh, my God. Guy's on fire. <laughs> What's his deal going to be worth? I think for sure that, uh, like, look at Boston. Boston's starving right now. Oh, someone Krejci, with that edge. Just... Someone just kind of come in for Krejci. And do we not believe Patrice Bergeron is done after this season? I mean, I don't, but you've mentioned a couple of times and you think he's going to just call it a day? Why? Like no extension? Like, come on. Well, to me, it's the Sedins. Read, read like, the tea leaves. He's just going to stop? He's going to quit? He's like one of the best players in the league still. I know. And he just, But I don't think he... I don't think he cares about that. And I, I, does he have any interest to go to another team? Would Brad Marchand go this to is, another team is, if they're no good? Is this not the last push off yeah. of that core group? It is in Boston. Yeah, so, I guess I think Taylor Hall was supposed just, to be part of that. Just to go back, Kadri, I could see a Boston Bruin. Mm-hmm. I could see Kadri. They just can't afford Flyer. to keep him in Colorado. You don't. You don't think? They better start thinking about how they're going to find $13 million a year for Gilmore. Nathan McKinnon. Oh, yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. They, they owe him some money, too. By the way, Kadri has 62 points in, 32, er, in 43 games played. Uh, that's a career high already. Already a career high this year. That's baffling. You think 13 mil for McKinnon? 13 mil. I think you're 100% right. McDavid's making 12 and a half and signed that yeah. three, four years ago. Yeah. Three years ago, I guess. I, yeah. that's And they have to. Uh, this is their year, is it not? Yes. But, you know, are you trusting Darcy Kemper um, in net there? Is that going to be good enough for them to win a Stanley Cup? I mean, uh, I like well, the goalie, but he's, uh, he's hurt uh, all the time. I feel a lot better with Kemper in Colorado than I do Washington's situation with their goaltending. I think they'll make a trade. Washington's got to. Vanacek and Samsonov? It has to be Marc-Andre Fleury. In Washington? Yes. <gasps> How dare you? It has to be. That, to me, is Brett Favre to the Minnesota Vikings. You just can't do that. You cannot do it. I know Favre did it, but Favre is a tool. I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury is. Yeah, they said it, Fabro, he is. <laughs> oh, no. You At this point, if... Mark Andre Fleury's career. It's about winning another Stanley Cup, not you think it'll diminish his his Pittsburgh love by going to Washington? You don't think it will diminish his Pittsburgh love if he hoists the Stanley Cup no. the Washington Capitals? The traitor? No. Is there no loyalty in sports anymore? Ray Bork in Colorado after Colorado. We left Boston. It's, it's not like, in the same league as Boston. I know, but it's just you it, He's he's, I know he's been gone too long. Yeah, boy, that would be a tough pill to swallow for Pittsburgh fans, wouldn't it? You know what it would be though, because he's the old guy now. They would be like, I just want to see him win one more. I'm okay with it. They do. They can, can you take the year that 
Ovi has given you and not address this goaltending situation? No, they got to do something. Should trade for Jack Campbell. I don't know. No, Mrazek. That's who they should trade for. Um, no, that that yeah. does seem like a real possibility. And anytime you talk to the insidery guys and the mics are off, they like think it's a real possibility. I lump you in with that. Like that this flurry thing could happen. Yeah, Flurry's not Flurry did not leave Vegas to go to Chicago just to go to Chicago. Just to get deep dish pizza. And now he has family in Chicago. So what's gonna happen now is He's going to tell all teams that uh, I won't move until right at the trade deadline because he doesn't want to go now. He doesn't. He's not interested in a Toffoli situation and be away with his family for half a season. He'd rather do it March 21st. Man. Now, is, can Washington wait that long? How about the Caps? The Caps tried to put Lundqvist in their net, and now they're going to try to put Flurry in their net. They don't even care. Home records. These people have no, no decency. Would you check your... Um, <laughs> Sentimental naivete. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, your your, your feelings. Let's, uh, you, you know, know in, in in the at the door or in the parking lot. Well, I'm I'm trying, I'm pushing back about your attitude about that money drives everything and money's all that matters for the. I know it's true. I just don't want. I don't want to believe it. Flurry still got some some juice to win a Stanley Cup here. Yeah, and he's not just gonna take the season and roll away with the rest of the Chicago Blackhawks? No, I guess not. Um, Seattle tonight for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs Kipper. I'm looking at their sport logic uh, matchups uh, sheet here that they send to us because we give them money. Um, and it is fascinating looking at this sport logic uh, thing here. Look at this, Kipper. The offense, uh, Seattle offense is all bright red. Bad, 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 bad. That's, you know, shot attempts. They're second to last and rush chances against rebound chances. You know, first, last, first, last. You get the point. They're terrible all over expected goals. Their defense, really, really good. This is an entirely lopsided team. Uh, They defend well. They have no offense. Uh, What are your expectations for the Toronto Maple Leafs in Seattle tonight? Outscore your mistakes and actually win. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Right? Yeah. That's didn't happen against Vancouver Saturday night, but unless Grubauer can pull a Demko, there shouldn't be an issue here. But there's going to be great energy in the building, and it's not it's not going to be I, I think a cakewalk here. No, Grubauer is a um, .892 save percentage this year, which is 58th in the NHL. Uh, his goal saved above expected is 62nd among NHL goalies. He's been outright terrible well enjoy the game tonight yes nine o'clock eastern start toronto and seattle our thanks to craig simpson emily kaplan and everett fitzhugh radio play-by-player voice now of the seattle kraken so give me a score comfortable oh yeah five two just a proper win tonight i bet on it i also have over three and a half shots for both nylander and Tavares plus 120 well, good luck. Thank I you. hope you cash in your $1.50 <laughs> ticket. For Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Fabulous, Fabro, and Derek, thanks for listening.